Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not now. All right, go. Start. You know what? It started. It started. Um, welcome to Sound Are you sure? Every- oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, welcome to. I swear to God. Welcome to Sound Pollution, everybody. We are so happy that you are here listening again this week. Yes, we, we are. We have Josh of Star, who's going to be joining us today for this wonderful episode. He's really, really talented and somewhat closer to me, I believe. So I'm kind of excited about that. Is your cup broken? Yeah. Broke off. I like the... Throw it. I'm kind of funny. I like broken cups. I don't like, like, perfect cups. So, like, there was this... You find beauty in the imperfection? It's coffee, and it's... (laughs) fuel to survive and i feel like if i'm drinking out of a pristine cup it doesn't make any sense but this is what i feel like when i'm drinking coffee my handles broke off i have a chip in the front yeah okay same same it it fits it fits the mode so uh this this guy josh (laughs) hines from star uh, yes, I'm really excited to ha- to talk to him. Uh, I really like his music, so I'm excited about this episode. Also, what wait did minute, I do? Wait a minute, hold on, wait. wait a minute. I'm very excited too. Go ahead. Sometimes I think you do shit like that just to fuck with me. I know, you know what? I know you do shit like that just to fuck with me. Oh, good times. Brent, Brent likes to know when I'm frustrated, and then he pokes the bear. And he's trying to make me break and either flip the fuck out or just become like him. That's Come over to the dark side. (laughs) It's nice over here. So uh, we sent out our first batch of act intervites. Let me edit that out. Yeah, you might want to edit that out. (laughs) Of (laughs) official. I hate him. (laughs) Folks, I didn't doing- say I was quiet. You started laughing. Well, I can't help it. If you're funny, stop being funny and that won't happen. <laughs> Never. So we sent our first batch of official musical act in- invites for <laughs> the first. <laughs> He's just doing <laughs> Um. In translation, we sent an email to some of the artists that may perform at the tour. I was trying to make it sound more professional, and you keep laughing at me. You make me laugh. I can't help it. You're just silly. Anyway, we're very excited about that. Swing. Uh, by the time this by the time this episode comes out, we will have sent more for our full band venue. But the the acoustic venue invites went out, and we are. F- fucking excited we were a little stressed out and we're kind of fucking tired but we're also excited very excited we are oh now now i get now i get dry brent when i'm like now we're excited we are we're excited for dry eyes use clear (laughs) Bueller. i knew it Bueller. Holy shit balls, it's Josh, everyone. (laughs) Grab your nuts and run for cover. Sorry about that. Sorry about what? You're right on time. You're on time. Okay. He he was just showing me his new lyric video for his song, so we were just taking advantage of the time. Okay. So how are you? I'm tired, but I'm good. You're tired? How are you? Tired. What are you tired of, dude? I go to work at 4 a.m. I'm tired of that. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So I was checking out your stuff online, and it says symphonic black metal with philosophical themes. Is that accurate? Pretty much. Really? I, I just sounds, listened you know, to it. It sounds like to pompous, it. you know. But What's funny is we listen to a bunch of different bands, and all I hear is cool heavy metal. And so I don't it's it's almost like when they start saying black metal, they're strictly talking about how the vocalist sings 
rather than the music to me. Because all I heard was like cool heavy metal, you know, kind of a progressive heavy metal, but still cool. Yeah. You started this band in 2020, and I think I was counting, and you've released like 11 singles. Uh, yeah, and some of that was just like I don't really know what I was doing when I started it. It was kind of just like, yeah, here's a song, I'll put it out, and here's another song, I'll put it out, and then that was kind of just then I collected those, you know, into like an EP, and then would kind of just. With, with the labels, when you put out a new album, they want you to put another single out, you know, even though like at this small level, they're still like, we could have something before the full album's out. Mm-hmm. So it kind of looks a little inflated, I think, cool. with that. No, it looked good. You looked good. First question, even though I've asked about four so far, but my first <laughs> real question <laughs> that counts is how many members are in this band of one? Uh, of Starer? Yeah. It's just yeah. the one. Just the one. It's just a one man band. That's fucking incredible. The sound that you've come up with. So then my other question is, is how do you pull off that performance live? What does it look like? (laughs) It looks like this, man. There's no live performance. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. This is it. So you're not going to do anything live then? I don't know. Like, it's kind of one of those funny things where when you kind of write a lot of stuff, um like i do you record it and then you almost like move on so i don't remember how to play you know large chunks of it i'd have to kind of relearn it and i've had a few offers from people to uh, form a band for it but um i don't know i've got a full black metal band uh that's not this and i'm kind of just content doing that and just letting this because i feel like as soon as i let one other person in then they're gonna want to contribute something which is fair but I don't want that. You know, it's just, just kind of a little thing. This I do. is yours. Yeah. I've got an idea. When they say, hey, I want to, you say no. Right. Then that's <laughs> it. You play yeah. drums or you look pretty because that's what I hired you for. Yeah, I hired you because I don't have any hair and I need hair in a metal band. <laughs> so how did you get started on this specific project? So in 2020, Bahargum recorded our second album. Um in like April. And this is when stuff was, you know, pretty weird with COVID. So we weren't really practicing much. It was kind of just a couple of us together to do like, you know, me and the drummer got together to do our parts and whatnot. And I kind of just kept writing uh, things. Um, But they just, the stuff I was writing wasn't sounding like the band. And um, so then I started putting keyboard on it, just kind of fucking around. And, um, and it kind of just got a little more like that, you know, just sort of developed into, well, it's not going to be the band. So who gives a shit what I'm doing to it? And uh, I mentioned it to the drummer once and he was like, "Ah, just put it out there, see what happens. And that's kind of really it. It was just I like post rock a lot and like, you know, just the real atmospheric stuff. And so I tried to blend that a little bit more, you know, where it's just I wouldn't say it's like slowed down, but some of that just like grinding intensity of just throwing riffs at you or, you know, kind of eliminate some of that sort of if I was going to make it separate from the band and really make it separate. You know, whereas the band had the riffs, it's like, okay, this one will have the atmosphere, I guess. And I mean, really just kind of out of, you know, quarantine, I guess so many people did a lot of stuff spun out of quarantine. You had a lot of time to kill. I didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, when you're normally like practicing a couple times a week or playing gigs or whatever, you're like, well, I want to stay busy with it. And I thought I could just write something else and see what happens to it. Um, Was the songwriting process for this feel different than it did with the band? I mean, obviously, there's not other people's input, and I get all that. But were you going in like, all right, I've got this extra stuff, and I want to do something completely different? Or Um, In the beginning, (laughs) no. It was kind of just putting ideas together and just kind of seeing what worked. Um, But as it developed, doing it on my own, you know, instead of being at, like, our drummer's studio where we're just recording shit, I could just have it on, like, say, my iPad, and here's all my parts, and instead of talking to the guys, like, what if we try this arrangement or whatever, I can just sort of, like, you know, mix the parts around, listen to it, like, ah, I like that better, you know? And so it's it's definitely a bit different. A little bit more self-indulgent, I guess. Because you're like, ooh, you know, I don't have to think about, am I going to ask my basses to play one note for two minutes? Like, no, I'm just going to do it on here myself and nobody's ever going to have an issue with that. You know, like it works better for the song, but you start thinking about stuff live and 
they're like, God, how is it fun to play a blast beat for three minutes? Like, I don't, I wouldn't know, but on the recording, it sounds fantastic. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, how many instruments do you play? Cause I know you play bass and guitar. Do you play anything else? I play drums and um, I do vocals, obviously. Um, and I can, in a studio setting, play keyboard. You know, like I could never do it live. There'd be too many flubs, but where I can go back and fix things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't do two hand keyboard. It's like, here's one hand and let me do another pass. There's the other one. So, um, but that's pretty much it. What was the first instrument you ever played? Uh, bass. Why the bass? Well, I was a, you know, I was a huge, like, uh, 90s, like, alternative rock fan. That's like where I grew up. So I got into, like, the Chili Peppers and Primus mm. and Rage and all those bands that had, like, the funky basses. And so that's really, like, what I got into. And um, then, I, funny enough, I mean, we're talking about metal. My first band was a ska band. But if nice. you listen to ska bass players, there's a lot of, you know, stuff going on. And yeah. Um, so it was kind of just, it seemed like, uh, that's a fun instrument that, you know, you can kind of do a lot of cool shit, but everybody's not really looking at you. They're looking at the singer or the guitar player and just kind of went from there. But then of course, once a band breaks up and you got to write songs to form a new band, you don't really write songs on bass. So then I kind of moved over to guitar, but bass is always, you know, home bass. How long, how long have you been playing? Um, started playing bass when I was 14. So 26 years. Damn, you're old. Yeah. It feels like it, man. It finally feels like it. Um, I, I refuse to take part in this conversation because it doesn't feel like it. We're not going to do that yet because we're the same age, and I, I re- <laughs> fucking refuse. Um, so let's talk about uh, one of the songs, First Morning Light. That was the first song I wrote for it. So what's the story behind that? Was that the one you just kind of came up with while you were in the band and you were like, oh, I'm going to do something with this, or was there more to it than that? Um, no, that's really kind of it. With Bahargam, a lot of it is like the, the the fast, fast tremolo picking type stuff. And then with, with that song, you know, it starts out real slow, picking the chords out. And uh, that was more of like the post-rock influence, I think. Just the slow build, you know, like for sure. going to add in toms. Now we're going to add in kick. Now I'm going to add in snare, you know, just really drag it out. And it kind of like when I put it all together with like when the keys come in and everything, it was like, well, fuck, you know, like once I developed more songs, it was like that still has to be the first one that people hear. Like it just felt like that's the opener right there. So this song, this was released in 2021, correct? Yes. Yeah. That album was in 20 January 2021. So listen to this shit. This thing on Spotify has over 11,000 streams. Did you know that? I did not know that. So I mean, I upload all this stuff, but I'm not really a Spotify user, so I don't get on and like check stats and all that shit. I only did that for you. I don't do that for anyone else. Um, so, <laughs> so the intro, this song wow. was so crazy to me because, okay, I'm not always patient, and this song just graded against my patience because <laughs> I would be like, okay. Here's the guitar. Oh, I like that. Minute goes by. Okay. Oh, wait. There's a synth now. All right. I'm now 52. Oh, there's the bass. All cool bass. Oh, the bass line is kind of melodic. And then I didn't realize that the drum started to one minute and 17 seconds. One fucking minute and 17 (laughs) seconds. There's not a goddamn drum on the whole song. And I was... I kept speeding ahead, and then when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God. That was the first drum. I need to rewind it. So I went all the way back to the beginning, and I was like, listening for it. So that was cool. And then vocals, vocals, three minutes. Wow, yeah. Three minutes. (laughs) And then after he adds those, he goes, he adds uh, more melodic strings, because, like, in the beginning, it's just kind of a – Pink Floyd kind of synth, just long whole notes. It sounded like to me kind of in the beginning. Would you agree with that? Yeah, kind of just like almost like like pad. Yeah. And so then when you get past the three minute mark and the vocals have come on for like 20 seconds, then he adds this melodic synth line, which is really cool. But just when you think you're like, oh, shit's going to get crazy now. It's going to fucking go nuts. 
So you have 16 minutes, I mean, 16 seconds of just comes back down. I mean, it literally drops to like three or four tracks, it sounded like to me. So he built it all the <laughs> way up, and then he just drops it back down. And then 16 seconds, he brings back in the toms. And the tom part was very cool. So did you do that on purpose too? Because you're driving oh. crazy. The whole song, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, come on, I've heard this. And then I saw I speed ahead, and then I'd miss it. And I'd be like, damn, I gotta rewind it. So I, <laughs> I, this song is what uh, almost eight minutes long, and I probably spent twenty minutes listening to it. Oh my god! <laughs> because because I would get excited, okay. and I would. The coolest part of the song was that scream, and then you kind of diminish all the tracks, and you just kind of shrink down. Do you remember any of this, or have you forgot it all? Oh. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I am kind of sitting here jogging my memory like, OK, that's how's that one go again. Yeah. No, that one that one's like a perfect example of that sort of like building I was talking about with like arranging the where it's like you start. It gets real methodical. And the hard part about something like that is like when you want to try a new idea, you still have to kind of put it in context of the whole thing. So I can't be like, OK, that goes there. That sounds good. It's got to be like, nope. let me start from the fucking beginning. Get six minutes in. Was that the right decision? How did it feel? Fuck, it didn't feel right. Try this, you know. The whole thing with, like, building and then shrinking back and then building bigger, that's almost like um, just like a formula that I probably beat the hell out of too much. Like, if now that you know that, it's not in every song, but it's probably in there uh, more than I should admit. No, it was drastic in that song. I mean, it was incredibly oh, yeah. drastic. I mean, I could tell that, okay, he's just fucked. Three minutes into it, I'm like, okay, he's just fucking. He's just, he's, he's just messing just with, fucking me. with me. He is. So, so my question is, at the end, you're winding down when the static sound. There's a static sound, and you almost fade into a static sound when you're done with the guitar. So, is that static sound scratching of the pick on the guitar strings at the end of that song? No, that is just guitar, like just ringing out to where it starts to just feed back. Yeah, that's all that is.
that is not the best song that I've heard from you. Well, awesome. I appreciate all that. What is the best song you've heard? Well, I don't know if I can start talking about it yet. See, I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> Stay on track. No. So you're kind of from the neck of the woods I am, and I'm not talking about Kentucky. I'm talking about the West Coast and stuff. So, you know, you talked a little bit about, like, the old school grunge, the Rage Against the Machine. Who would you say really inspired your songwriting? Um, just in general or for, like, mm-hmm. this? In general. Oh. Or both. Um, in general, you know, this is where I lose a lot of metal points when I get into, like, influences and stuff. Um, Barry Manilow. Probably, like, Radiohead, honestly. Oh, I love Radiohead. Um, why would you lose points? Yeah, that? why would you lose points uh, for that? Some of these cult fuckers, you know, just like, oh, it's not Emperor or whatever. Um, but no, it's it's probably because one of the other old bands I used to play in was a kind of a progressive, you know, with the odd times and stuff like that. And I kind of learned a lot of that from some of the experimental Radiohead stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just the way if you listen to some of their like later stuff, like they get a whole lot out of very little, you know, some of those yes. songs that are like one or two parts and they just develop the shit out of them. That's kind of like first morning light, you know, it's just good Lord. How long did I milk that part out before you got another part? And it was just subtle changes. So a lot of stuff like that, but I'm, I'm a big like Mogwai fan and um, a big Cigarose fan. And that's, that band is where I learned the whole build and then bring it back down and build even bigger the next time um in my mind i feel like it's just constantly ripping these bands off but of course the listener doesn't hear that because you're doing it in you know black metal or or whatever the context is different but you know i think you were so blatant in your ripoff that i think you actually took some of my songs oh yeah (laughs) i'm just joking no i i like that song a lot but I was really surprised at that song because I was expecting it to go one way and then it kept not changing, changing on me. <laughs> I mean, I imagine if, if there ever was a live thing, uh, that's clearly the opener of the live show, even though it's the opener of the album. Like you just I don't know. That's the way I always heard it. But what I was going to ask you was um, it's track four on that first album. The song's called Umbra. Mm-hmm. And um I almost dropped that one because I thought, like, oh, there's a couple quirky parts. Maybe people won't like it. There's a riff towards the end of the song, and I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. You know, fuck it, I'll leave it in. And then when the album came out, like, that was the one part that everybody kept like, oh, my God, that riff. And it's not even that special of a riff. I think it's just in the context of that album. You mm-hmm. have this sound, and then suddenly here's this, like, out of left field. It sounds like like an early, like, Muse kind of riff. Like this almost like Southern ragey kind of sound. And I was like, you know, like I said, I was kind of worried about it. And then people were like, man, that riff was awesome. Like, eh, it's just okay, but you weren't given anything else like it. So anyway, just curious what you thought about that one. If it sticks out. It did. He wants, did you listen to that one? I listened to that one. And my thoughts on that one and a few others is you have some tasty riffs throughout in different spaces you're kind of tasteful, you know, almost proper in how you choose to, <laughs> Thank at you. least in this. And, and, but I think, I think that fit on that song. I mean, yeah, you, some people could say, yeah, it, it sounds vastly different. But I mean, if you line up all your stuff together, is it really vastly different? Yeah, it's, it's a different kind of thing. I think you were probably inserting something in there that they weren't expecting. And you kind of get a little bit of a teaser, like the bass kind of played a version of it earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, it just kind of slowly builds. You're like, what's it building to? And then it's just this. It's like, where the fuck did that come from? But I mean, yeah, it didn't seem to turn anybody off like I thought it would. But I will say I got a lot of. One of the most like negative comments I got on my first album was some people really didn't like the mix. Uh, they were just like, it's really suffocating and cold sounding. And I'm like, well, it's fucking black metal. You know, it's supposed to be cold and mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortable. And so over, this, yes. And overwhelming and, and noisy. And yes. Yeah. And so the second album, I thought I cleaned it up a bit, you know, maybe not enough. But anyway, yeah. But you have a philosophy by what you do, too. And so people that actually listen to it are going to enjoy it because you're screwing with people the way you write. <laughs> so 
every album you've done or you're doing with this project, everyone, it sounds like you want it to be a little bit different. You want to have learned something and grown and then done a little bit different. Do you think that that's going to continue to like change and get bigger and bigger and just almost like four albums from now, is it even going to sound like these last two? And is that something you're doing on purpose? Um, It's definitely like morphing on purpose because who not only wants to release the same album twice, who wants to listen to the same album twice. Um, But I don't think it'll ever go the way of like over, you know, where it's like, oh, this used to be black metal. And now what, what is it? It, I don't see. Sounds like like dad rock. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Some like electronic shit in there, which is fine, but. But it's not what you're expecting. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I was thinking a little bit more like I introduced at the very end of that big like 22 minute song there's like a little bit of clean vocal that's kind of buried and um i did a song on a compilation a couple months ago where i it almost it to me it almost sounds like i mixed like some of like the cult like the 80s like mm-hmm. with a little bit of and i was I like how's that. this yeah i was like how's this shit gonna go over and it's good it's gonna we're fine and then with the chorus i mean i don't sing like him but i did clean vocals with the dirty vocals. But, you know, even when you go back to like early Emperor, you know, they had some clean vocal parts. So I'll probably work that in. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I'm just going to take it one at a time, like the next one, you know, shorter songs, more compact. And then we'll see uh, just where it develops from there. I've got a few other kind of in that like eight to nine minute songs written that I'm just like set those aside for the next one and see how those will, you know, develop or whatever. So, I don't know. I felt like I couldn't put out two albums in a row that are like, these are just all nine-minute songs, you know. <laughs> give, pe- give people something different where they're like, oh, shit, you know, that album only lasted 35 minutes instead of 50 minutes or whatever. I was either talking to another songwriter or we were, we were, we were interviewing one, and he was like, I want to do an album of, like, all one-minute songs. Oh, that was us. Who was that? Cause, Cause, they had like twelve minute songs and stuff like that, and they yeah. go, they go. Our goal is to get down to where we can say everything we want in a minute to two minutes. And I was like, damn, I want to hear that. Because yeah. it's for for me, I don't write that way. I just basically say I'm gonna write a song and whatever happens happens, good, bad, or ugly, you know. But they're like intentionally going, okay, like you're going nothing over six minutes now. You know what? And these guys are going nothing over one to two minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> what kind of album is that? It's like, done, done, done. Right, roll it. Let's talk about Fire of the Sun. I listened to the two you sent me and I listened to a couple others. Don't ask me what the names were. I just kind of like scrolled through and listened. And of all the stuff I heard, the guitar on this track is ridiculous. It is so beautiful. But in a hard way, it really, really reminds me of some Tool kind of licks. And and I really, really liked it. How'd that song come about? Um, that song's actually a little older. I'm not going to say it was fully written, but that song was well underway before the first album even came out. And that song's on the second album. Basically, I mean, there, there's a few elements to it. So one of my dogs... Um, He's not going to make it to July. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. But if if he did, he would be 17. Um, He's had cancer. He lives with my mom. He's like the family dog. So during COVID, when all his projects started and everything, that's about the time we noticed him declining. And so, you know, I would only see him every so often because of, you know, the social distancing and all that, you know, wanting to not be around my mom too much. Um, And each time I saw him, it seemed like he was a little worse, a little worse. Um, and so you just kind of put that like sadness with just the whole quarantine and just everything, you know, from the big picture. And so that song was very much like inspired by like my relationship with him. And so that kind of like when you were talking about the the, the pretty, like sort of the beautiful sound mixed mm-hmm. with the, the heavy stuff like that's where that came from. But also it, it was kind of a conscious decision to think about like, you know, bass is not usually like a, a leading instrument in this type of stuff. But for that song, it, it started with that bass line. And it's great. It's a great bass line. And thank you. And um, the bass line is actually in five. 
So it only loops around, you know, every however many measures you want to like play it what fucking 20 times or whatever. I, I don't know what the, the mathematical term is, but either way, like I do a lot of odd time stuff, but the bass is actually a riff and I'm pretty sure it was in five. And um, so you kind of hear it, the, the pattern, it sounds consistent, but like, where, where's the one, you know, it's not the same, but, but every so many passes. And so then it's like, once I get the baseline laid down and just kind of a drum track, then it was just, okay, I got this guitar part. I'm just going to repeat it indefinitely you know that one that starts the whole thing out is just going to repeat sometimes i'll take it down and then when you kind of hear it come back in and then it was just all right what's another guitar part what's another and kind of just built it really organically and then to where everything eventually now all the guitars are playing that bass riff you know and just kind of like that you know and then i almost thought it's definitely not like a happy song but it is like you said it's kind of pretty it's got like a, a different mood to it and I almost thought, like, is this going to be a turnoff? Is it almost too emotional sounding? Um, but for me, it was like this is uh, it's almost like the, the centerpiece. So this is the favorite song that I had to listen to out of the songs we got. I like this one a lot. It's a nine minute song. That bass line is just a great groove, dude. Man. It, okay. it out of all the songs I listened to, that one made me stop to actually go back and listen to the bass line. Because the bass line was that good. It caught my attention. I stopped. But not in an annoying way like the first song. <laughs> you know, that, but that's the thing with that bass line. It's very simple. You know, it's just that do-do-do-do-do and then just repeat. Yes. But because it's like that five pattern, it creates like the illusion that there's a lot more going on. And then when you change from one note, like it's playing on like, you know, the A string and then you, you play the same pattern on the D string – because you have to keep that same five note pattern, it then gets even weirder because now it's starting on that. Well, it, it sounds way more complicated than it actually is. The, the complicated part is not changing that pattern and just playing it repeatedly. Yeah, I thought it was just cool. I was just like, I was like, oh, this is cool. Let me listen to this for a while. And then I liked the nice breakdown. And you had a melodic synth part starting at three minutes and 45 seconds. I thought that was really cool. So that was kind of a little lighter part. You were really melodic in that part. It um, I think it almost sounded like I don't know, fluttery. You know, <laughs> is is what's coming now because I'm an idiot. And then you had after that you had another cool rhythm part. And then there's this change right after the guitar stuff. You really hit it on guitar hard again. And then you had like a rushes change to it like like you'd been influenced like almost a time signature change when it kind of breaks down and it kicks back in with it with a kick drum it's just kind of pounding yeah. and then and then um the riff that you're hearing on guitar the da 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 that is the same riff that the like higher pitch guitar is doing throughout the entire song that is it really that like the that riff it's that but just like on the lower strings, I may have, uh, you know, adapted it, like, you know, moved a note or something, mm -hmm. but it's basically that riff. And then it just modulates up a string. So you've kind of been hearing that riff in the background the entire time. Um, and that's kind of what I was really like, man, it's cool that it like when it hit, like it still mm -hmm. meant something, despite how much I beat it into the ground. So my question on that one was, is it difficult to write changes on your songs, you know, it's like, do you find it difficult? Do you struggle going from heavy to light and then slow to fast? You do jump back around a lot. And so I'm wondering if at any point you just go, well, fuck, I don't want to go slow. I want to go fast. Or, you know, the funny thing about that is as much as, you know, I'm telling you, like, I have a specific goal. You know, the next album is going to be shorter songs or whatever. As far as the songs themselves I feel like all of it is just really natural. Like as far as what comes next, it's kind of just, I'll get to a point and it's like, what does come next? And then it's just sort of, like I say, just happens because it's all those layers, you know? Um, but I don't think there was like a, a thought process of, I want this to now break down and now I want it to do this. But like I said earlier, that song follows that same exact formula I mentioned. We're mm -hmm. like, it's a long, slow build. And then it finally, you know, kind of hits and then it breaks down and then it hits again, but it, in a different mm -hmm. way. It's so some of it, honestly, I mean, I just have a pattern. 
Because I know you start out with, I want to do this, but it seems like at some point you just have to throw your hands up in the air and let it be, right? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the, the best way to handle just about any kind of um, songwriting. Like like you said with your stuff, you know, you just kind of, you just sit down and write a song and you just let it develop and see where it goes. And, um, you know, and there are times where it's like, okay, I want this to come back. How do I bring that in? I have to find a way to bring it in. I don't remember this particular song having like a, an issue with that. This one felt like it just kind of really, I think it came from such a pure spot within me. Mm-hmm of just what I was wanting to get out, you know, emotionally and things like that. But no, there's certainly times when it's like a little trial and error. When I have like my songs, like in my project folder, I may have like a a BPM note where it's like, okay, this one's 130 BPM. That one's 135. I could slow those 135 riffs down if they feel like they would match this song. And so there are times and there's just some mixing and matching, but with me, having played so many different genres, you know, like I, I played mm-hmm. ska stuff. I was in a, you know, a chili peppers tribute band, you know, you just, you pick nice. up. Yeah, it was, nice. you, you pick up all these little things from all these other places. And so then when you finally, like, I'm going to write a song, I don't think you're really consciously aware of it. Like that you've got all these tools. I'm aware of it as I'm gathering them.
So I know you don't have any upcoming gigs because it's just you. <laughs> for this, yeah, for sure. For this, for this. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any other other upcoming gigs with any of the bands that you're currently working with? Yes. Okay. Um, so I've been playing drums in a band for about five years called Dos Cobros, and it's um, me and one <laughs> other guy, and uh, he does vocals and guitar. It, it kind of started as a punk band. Um, it's a little bit more now just like a garage rock mixed with punk. We're mixing a little of that stoner sound in. We put out an album that was like uh, – it was almost like a cyberpunk album. It's nothing we can play live. It's got a lot of whatever. Anyway – that band is pretty active because it's a two piece and I've been doing it for you know a while. So we're actually playing um, Saturday. I don't know when this will air, but Oh, it won't come out. Uh, not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. Uh, okay. So that band, it, it'll be in the past by the time this airs, but yeah, we've That's got fine. that one. We've got one in June. Um, I feel like we've got some more. And then with Bahargum, we're like I said, we're just kind of waiting when everybody feels comfortable. We'll get something. Um, I'm playing a 90s cover band, actually. <laughs> and uh, that band just recently like reformed. We used to play a lot. And I think we kind of just burned out. Uh, it's fun. I mean, it, it sucks when you're like, the cover band brings the crowd and makes the money. I mean, we all know that. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. Once you can kind of get past resenting your own band because people love your cover band, but they don't love your original band, you know? Uh, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, that band, <laughs> we, we actually just worked in a new drummer as well. Um, so we're kind of just getting it going again. Yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't really, I won't get into all the dates of it, but it's pretty active for sure. So I have one last question. Did you write the Christmas classic Carol of the Hells? And <laughs> so this was released on YouTube in HD with his virtually stunning red jumpsuit. <laughs> it had tasteful harmonic guitar pinches throughout the whole thing. Did you write that? No. You ripped it off. Oh yeah, that's Carol of the Bells. Oh, I thought. Well, nah. it was. A, it had some Carol changes to it though. It wasn't exactly a hundred percent though. Oh no, yeah, I definitely. And, and God, you watch the video. It's funny. You'll, you'll notice a couple of times in the video, like I'll kind of make this like metal face, this like face, and that's where I hit like a minor note that's not in the original to kind of like nasty it up a little bit that goes back to during covid um when like the bars and the venues were closed um like our local venue they were doing all these like uh, live streams where everybody would mm -hmm. submit music and stuff and so i did a bunch of other stuff throughout the year and then when it came time for christmas even though they were back open they do a big annual like Toys for Tots fundraiser. Mm -hmm. So they were like, everybody cover a Christmas song and we're going to do another live stream like we did during the shutdown. And I was like, well, you know, I don't like Christmas music, but everybody knows Carol of the Bells is awesome. So I just did that. Yeah. that. It was it was so funny because I was like, oh, my God, he's wearing a red jumpsuit. This has <laughs> got to be during Christmas. And so then I was listening to it. and I was like. It sounds familiar, but there's a part in there that's it's either diminished or it's flat, one or the other. But anyway, yeah. it was that's really cool. So you can get a good idea by watching that because it has him <laughs> playing drums, bass, keyboards, guitar, all on one screen in a red jumpsuit. In different locations around, like, now I'm sitting on this side of the tree. Now I'm on that side yeah. of the tree. Yeah. It's funny. It's awesome. I love it. So what advice would you give an up-and-coming songwriter? I think the most generic thing a person could always say is, you know, be true to yourself and all that stuff. Um, and that that is always going to be true, though. Um, mm -hmm. But I think from, you know, my personal experience, I mean, I've not had really any success. You know, I still get up at four o'clock in the morning, and go to work. So it's not like I know how to live off of music, but um, I've made a shitload of music for a long time. So in my experiences, I would say, you know, learn the technical things um, like I can't read music, but, you know, I know how, I know what scales are. I know how they work. I know how chords work. Um, so learn those things and learn them well, but don't let them control everything that you do. You know, sometimes breaking out of that box is a thing. Um, and the same thing with some of the odd time signatures or if you have the ability or the means, you know, to pick up a second instrument. 
Um, even if it's just bass versus guitar, which are very similar, but you know, a bass line can change everything. Mm. So I would mm-hmm. say it's in the big picture, just the more things you can learn and like gather together, you know, different genres um, and influences, the better you're going to be. Even if you specifically are like, I want to write country music and that's all I want to write. Knowing how to write uh, a metal song will at some point work in your favor if you just want to switch up the structure of your song. You know, you're not going to sit there and think, oh, you can't have a song that just isn't verse, chorus, verse, chorus, whatever. You've heard something, you've written something that's not that. So, you know, you can write, you know, the biggest hurdle, I think, for a lot of people is overthinking everything. You know, I, I work with a guy who's insanely talented um with music but he just overthinks it all and he's like, i don't know if that riff's good enough I, i'm i'm not gonna put this out until I, whatever and i'm just like no motherfucker just just put it out because then it's <laughs> behind you you know it, it's it's over with and you can't keep overthinking it you've moved on you've made yourself move on to the next one and whatever you don't like about the first one because you felt like you rushed it address that in the next one you know and every song's not going to be the best song you're not going to write an album of all number one hits. Like, Just write songs that you like. I mean, for me, that's what I do is just what I want to listen to that. I would, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of just, I guess, to staying true to yourself. And, you know, and if you want to challenge yourself, you know, I want to write a nine minute song. I want to write a three minute song, whatever. You know, I guess just kind of be open, you know, be open to uh, criticism and to adapt and uh, just you know, don't don't put yourself in a, a little box, I think, is the most important thing for me anyway. And my final question for you is I would like you to tell my listeners about the animal rescue that you started doing. I know. OK, I know it's not music related. I know it's not. But go ahead. I mean, it's it's a very important part of my life. I'm, I'm really happy you ask about it. Um, I'm always down to talk about that. At the beginning, I'll try to make this short because it, it could go on forever. In the beginning, <laughs> so, I mean, we, you and I have talked before. So, yeah. you know, I travel. Um, I went to Egypt in, in 2010 and um, found this dog on the street. She was being, like, beaten, stuff like that. So I got involved. And um, once I came back home, I couldn't take her with me. Um, I found a shelter over there in Cairo. And they captured her you know we made sure it was the same dog because there's street dogs everywhere over there that i mean and it's it's any country like that you know like you go to india or um, some south american countries or you know a lot of middle eastern just places that aren't like the major european cities or the major u.s cities you know it's just it's so common to see the dogs everywhere and the cats everywhere so that was a concern with you know make sure this is the same dog but also just kind of like man there's a fucking problem over there yeah. So they helped me get the dog to the U.S. and I've had her for 12 years now. She's where the Starer name comes from. Um, her name is Finkus, but like I take her outside and she just basically, instead of being a dog running around, whatever, she just stands there and just stares. And so it's kind of like, <laughs> just like she's the dog version of me, you know. She's just out there contemplating and just, you know. Like, what does it all mean? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So you know, she's where that name comes from, but. Through that experience, I got involved with the shelter over there, and um, over the years, I've gotten more and more involved, and I started going back over there because I had a really bad experience the first time, so it took me you know, some years to go back, um, but you know, I go over there by myself um, most of the time, and um, it's, a, it's a different experience. You know, as a white guy from Kentucky, you get off the plane, and like one of the founders of the biggest animal rescue in Egypt is just like, welcome home. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, I had my life get like this, but you know, <clears throat> it's, it's weird, but, um, but you know, I go over there and um, for a while I would fly back dogs to the U S and they would go to rescues. And then in 2019 um, there was like a ban put in and it's the band's never been lifted. So dogs specifically from Egypt on a case by case basis, if you can convince them that that is your dog, you know, as in it's one dog, um, then maybe you could bring it over. But, you know, I'm not going to be able to. I, I was flying back like seven dogs at a time. Oh, wow. Uh, those days are over, at least for now. And there's just so many other things going on in the world. Who knows when that band's going to be even thought about? 
So anyway, um, I, you know, I'll go over there and I'll help out with the shelter. Like we repainted it one year. Um, we moved it to another location. I wasn't really that involved in the moving, but you know, the, there are strictly no kill. So there's like 1,500 animals good. there. Good. And, um, I mean, they not have a, good that there's that many animals, but I'm glad that they're not. I just want it. Yeah. I'm glad that they're not no kill. Um, but from over here, you know, I can only go over there about once a year. So I help with their website. We were doing a lot of fundraising and then COVID kind of killed a lot of that just because everybody's, you know, holding on to their money a little tighter. Mm-hmm. But some of my bands, we've done shows specifically like every bit uh, from this will go to the shelter. Um, I don't know if you've seen it where with Starer, there's been all the band camp Fridays. I'm like, yes, I've been sharing those when I saw them coming up. Appreciate it. I'm just like, you know what? All digital sales all going over there. Um, and luckily, we've got a good uh, group in like Europe as well. Um, some people in the UK, Netherlands, stuff like that, where they do uh, like raffles and things like I, I made all these homemade leashes and we're going to do bids on them, you know. So we've got other networks for fundraising. It's not just uh, over here, but that's kind of it. You know, it's it's a it's a global effort. And they really like over time welcomed me in like as one of their own. And like it's kind of been like like the honor of my life, you know being a big animal guy and then being able to be that involved in something on that scale um, on a strictly volunteer basis. You know, I don't make anything from it. I don't know. It, it's, it's an amazing thing. Does it have a name? They call it ESMA, but that's just, it's short for uh, Egyptian society for mercy to animals. So if anybody listening, um, it's like ESMAEgypt.org, or if you just look up ESMA Egypt on like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um, I actually wrote a book about it that came out last year. Oh, really? Um, What's the name of the book? The book is uh, – I don't have a copy sitting you here. You don't know called, the name of your own book. Oh, no. I was going to show you a copy because <laughs> it's called Ballady, but it's spelled B-A-L-A-D-I. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the Arabic word for like local. So like that's kind of what they refer to like mutts, you know, local dogs, Ballady dogs. But I mean they also were – you know, would use it to say it's Ballady food or whatever, but – so the dogs are called Balladies. That's their quote breed, even though it's, you know, they're just months. But so it's called Ballady, the journey of an Egyptian street dog. And then huh. it's on Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble, whatever. But if anybody's interested and wants to learn more about it, it was just I wrote the book as a means to help the shelter out. Like, this is my story. I don't have infinite amount of money, but I can write my story. And whatever money the book makes all goes to the shelter. You know, that's it's not like really I'm cool. Anything. Now I'm going to have to go buy the book. What? But you did. Yeah. I'm going to go buy your book. I want to thank you so much for being thank you on so the much. show. Josh, I enjoyed okay, meeting you. And I'm thankful that you uh, got on with us. And maybe we can talk again in the future with your other bands. Or- thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sound Pollution this week with Starer. Yes, I did realize while listening to the intro, we said it wrong multiple times. So Josh, I would like to apologize for that. And please don't forget, we have a tour coming up in the Austin, Texas area in October. So make sure you're like, following, and subscribing to us on social media so that you can learn all about it. Uh, please become a patron if you are able. Shout out to my patrons, Kathleen and Ivan. We would like to have some more. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, uh, that's about it for this week, guys. Thank you so much again for listening. And remember to make some noise.